Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Pastor Doug Shimoda. Pastor Doug Shimoda is the lead pastor of City Light Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. He's passionate about family, friendships, and fulfilling a God-given purpose. Let's dive into the message. Today I want to talk to you about a greater walk with God, our heart and soul type and kind of walk with God. First of all, I want to say you need to have vision for your life. Everybody needs vision for their lives because vision is so important. Vision incorporates direction into your life. Think about Jesus. Jesus came to earth. Jesus knew why he was here and he knew what he was going to do with his life. You know, his life was one of purpose and direction. And he only had 33 years to live this life and do and f- to fulfill his purpose. You know, I think of a play by Samuel Beckett. Samuel Beckett's play entitled Breath. Now, this play is only 35 seconds in length. It has no human actors, um, has, has no props except for a pile of rubbish in the center of a stage. And this stage is lit up, lit up by this light, which grows moderately bright, and then it fades to dimness. You know, there are no words spoken in this play. It simply begins with a recorded sound of an inhaled breath and then an exhaled breath, and then the same recorded cry at the end of that. You know, I think about people's lives, and many people's lives are not much more than an exhaled breath, and an inhaled breath. And when you think of people's lives, so many people's lives are without meaning, uh, without purpose, without reason, and without a cause. You know, it's been found that 95% of people have never written goals down for their lives. And it's also been found that of that 5% that have written out their goals, 95% of that 5% actually achieved their goals. Listen to this stat. In 1953, Yale University found that 3% of their students had actually written out specific goals down for their life. But in 1975, they found that this 3% had achieved more than the other 95% combined. The point is this, that people who have goals and vision are achiever. People who have no vision are underachievers. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11 is a list of ordinary people who had goals and visions in their life. Uh, People who simply put their faith into action. And Hebrews 11 lists the names of these people and then it tells about their exploits. And in this list is a guy named Enoch. And Enoch is really one of the most unknown people in the hall of faith. 
And there's only virtually only two portions of verses that are written about him. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, it says, By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 22, After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. And you think about all these other people in the hall of faith. They did incredible things. People like Noah and Moses and Abraham and Isaac, Joseph, Jacob, um, Ruth, Rahab. All these people did incredible things. But Enoch never built an, an, an ark. He never parted any seas. He never shut any mouths of lions. Um, he never quenched the flames of fury. He never routed any foreign armies. So question is, what did Enoch do? What did he do? The Bible just says he pleased God. Twice it says he walked faithfully with God for 300 years. He was all in. He was heart and soul for God for, for 300 years. So today I want to talk about a greater walk with God. I want to talk about a heart and soul type of, and a kind of walk with God. You know, God is an all-in God. God is all into us. I mean, think about it. He, he loves us exclusively, unconditionally, uh, totally, forever, eternally. He, and he, he loves us that way. Romans chapter 8, verse 32 says, Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Good question. Won't he also give us everything else? He's an all-in God. He's all-in for us. And he wants us to be all-in. All-in to love him. All-in to serve him. All-in to obey him. You know, all-in heart and soul. And in Joshua chapter 24, verse 14, Joshua was exhorting God's people. It's a time when they're in the Old Testament. It's the Old Testament story where they're in the promised land. They're occupied the land. They've driven out most of the enemies there. And they're ready to enjoy this incredible land of blessing. And so Joshua was exhorting God's people. And he's saying, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. You know, I'm a believer in an all-in life a heart and soul life for God. You know, I'm a big believer in commitment. I'm a, I'm a big believer in covenant, even if it's walking with God for 300 years. You know, I'm a believer in heart and soul, in a heart and soul marriage. I'm a believer in, in heart and soul relationships and friendships. I believe in friendships that they should last for a lifetime. You know, I believe in an, in an, in an heart and soul commitment and calling to walk with God. Heart and soul for Jesus and heart and soul for His church. You know, I say that there's nothing more frustrating than a, a half-hearted life, half-hearted living. You know, a half-hearted marriage isn't going to amount to much. A half-hearted family can't do much together. You don't want to be a part of a half-hearted of a half 
family. You know, a half-hearted employee or volunteer is, is frustrating to have on your team. You know, one foot in and one foot out with God is like living in the wilderness instead of the promised land. And then the Bible is telling us, live wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. Let me give you a definition of that word. Wholeheartedly, completely and sincerely devoted, determined or enthusiastic, marked by complete, earnest commitment, free from all reserve or hesitation, holding nothing back from God. And that's what Jesus said and told us to do in Mark's Gospel, chapter 22, verse 37. I like the Passion Version, which says, where Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, and with every thought that's within you. You know, your heart is mentioned over a thousand times in the Bible. Your heart is your very core. It's your most internal organ. It's your very center. And your soul is so important. Your soul is the eternal part of you, the part that only you know and the part that will last forever. My prayer for you today is that your core, your most internal soul would love Jesus more and more, more than ever before. You know, we live in this world that's just filled with pain. It's filled with problems. And if you're still living in the past, then you can easily have a heart that's hard. Or you can have a tender heart. You can have a, a broken heart. Or you can have a healed heart. You can have a darkened heart. Or you can have an enlightened heart. What I'm saying is you have a choice of what your heart can be. You know, when something negative happens in your life, you know, you, you, know, you, can, you can get hard. Your, your heart can be hardened. You, 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 can, you can have a heart that, that, that refuses to love, that refuses to feel the way it should feel. You can have a heart, you can have a heart, or you can be heartless. You can be compassionate, or you can be uh, careless. You know, and we think about it, there's, there's only one who really knows your heart condition besides you, and that's God. And he really knows your heart. Psalm 44, verse 21 the psalmist says, he knows the secret of every heart. God knows and God sees right into your heart. 1 Samuel 16, verse 17 says, the Lord doesn't see those things the way that you see them, but people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord's always looking at your heart. You know, the Bible says that David was a man with a heart after God. And we think about David's life. You read his life, you study his life, and you see that his life was full of ups and downs. I mean, David struggled with sin. He had family troubles. But, you know, at the end of his life, you'll find out that David was heart and soul. He was all in for God. He was passionate for God, and he was passionate for God's house. You know, I want to tell you today that God can change your heart. God can heal your heart. God can soften your heart when it hurts and when it gets hard. But listen, you and I, we can do something about our hearts too as well. You know, the Bible says that a heart is so important. And to me, my heart is like my garden. And my garden needs constant tending. Otherwise, there's weeds that will grow in. Uh, there, there's stuff that can happen into my heart 
that doesn't produce good fruit. And so we need to be doing something about our heart. We need to be tending our hearts. So let me suggest to you some very important things that you can do with your heart. Here are some very important things that we need to be doing with our heart. First thing we need to do, number one, we need to lead our heart. Lead your heart. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 2 says, So train your heart to listen when I speak. Turn your heart to wisdom. You know, the world tells you to just follow your heart. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says, no, don't do it. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Here's the question. Are you leading your heart or is your heart leading you? Are you living by the desires of your heart or are you leading your life by the decisions that your heart can follow? You know, me, I want to live my life. I want to lead my life by good decisions by godly decisions and not just by my feelings. Not by my feelings. It's like eating a bag of nacho chips, nacho cheese chips, and drinking a large Coke Slurpee two or three times a week makes me, make me feel good until I realize that it could kill me. I just had a doctor's checkup um, and had a blood test done. And this is a while ago when I was in my 30s when I was young. But even back then, you know, that wasn't good for me. And my doctor called me back and said, I've got to see you right away. Come to my office. And then he told me that my cholesterol level was getting sky high. And I was setting myself up for a heart attack. So that was not a good decision. We need to live by good, godly decision. You know what? Love is a commitment. And love is also a decision. You know, I made a decision to love my life, my wife. I love my wife. My heart follows that decision. I love God. My heart follows that decision. So point number one, you've got to lead your heart. Point number two, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And so here's how, it's work, how it works. Now, first of all, the Bible tells us that it's out of our heart that our mouth speaks. And secondly, what gets into your heart comes from your eyes and from your ears. You know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing the word of God, by hearing the word of God, the word of God. The, the, the message is heard to the word of God. So, what gets into your heart comes from your eyes and your ears. So we have two gates. We have the eye gate and we have the ear gate. And whatever gets, comes into your heart comes in through your eye gate and your ear gate. And whatever comes into your heart will eventually come out of your mouth, which is the creative force of your future. See, your heart pumps out whatever you put into it, whether, whether it's fear or faith or anger or joy, or purity or perversion or life or, or death. Whatever you pump into your heart will come out of your heart through your mouth. And the Bible says, tells us to be careful what we meditate upon, what we see and what we hear. The Bible says, think about such things as these. Philippians 4 verse 7, 
Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. You know, the Bible is saying it, fill it with good things, good things. And if you need a heart transplant because your heart is hard or your heart is broken, then the Bible says you can ask God for a new heart. Ezekiel 36, verse 20, 26. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Tender because it's been tended to by God. Number three, third thing you can do with your heart is believe. Believe with your heart. You know, faith begins in your heart. Faith is not an, a mental ascent. Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So the Bible is saying, if you believe in your heart, you will be saved. In other words, if you believe in the deepest part of you, in your most internal organ, if you believe from the very core of who you are, then you will be saved. We see that your heart is in, deeply involved in that decision. See, it's not just a mental ascent. And that's why I believe, even as a, past, as a pastor, that, that I believe that many of the decisions for Christ that are made today are sometimes maybe not much more than merely mental ascents. You know, to give your life to Jesus means literally to give up your old life. It, it, it means to give up your old destructive ways and to turn. You know, you're heading in one direction and you're heading in another direction towards Jesus, with Jesus. You know, the old time preachers used to call it turn or burn. You know, but I want to tell you that, and, he, and you need to know that God loves you. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you so much. You know, God does not want a single person to perish. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, Proverbs says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He, you, he will show you which path to take. So it's saying believe. Believe in Jesus, heart and soul. Believe in Him, not just for a short time, but for a lifetime. Serve Him, love Him, heart and soul. Number four, last one, join your heart. You need to join your heart. When Jesus is saying that you need to love God, we need to love God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our strength, and all our spirit. He wasn't talking to a single person. He was talking to a people. And he was saying, he's saying to us, you know, love God. Love God with other people who love God, right? Tie your heart. Tie your heart. Join your heart to other people who love God. You know, it's like Joshua who stood up and said, as for me and my house, we, not I, but we will serve the Lord. We will do it together. And he exhorted all the families of God who were standing before him when he was making that exhortation. You know, and all the families said, yes, we too will serve the, God, our, the, the Lord our God. And they did in that generation. Or like David, who said 
You know, let's build the house of God. Let's build it together. Let's gather all the materials and supply. Let's give to God's house. And all the people said, yes, let's do it. And they gave richly, generously to God's house. Or I think about Nehemiah, who heard that, that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down and his gates had been burnt with fire. And he came back to his homeland. He came back to that city. And he challenged the people who were living in that city, which was ravaged by their enemies and was not a very safe place to live. He, he challenged the people and the families of God. And he said, let's rebuild the walls. Let's do it together. And the people said, yes. And they stood shoulder to shoulder. And they rebuilt those broken down walls in miraculous time, in record time, 52 days, they rebuilt the wall. Rebuilt the walls of that city. You know, it's amazing what God's people can do together when their heart, hearts are joined together. Or like Moses, who addressed God's people, God's nation, just before they were ready to head into the promised land. And they said, O Israel, love the Lord. Love the Lord with all your hearts. You know, the Bible says that one alone can chase a thousand, but two together can chase 10,000. You know, I look around today and I meet, you know, uh, believers, brothers in Christ and that I've seen, you know, uh, as I was growing up in the Lord. And yet I see so many of these, these, these people who once really served God kind of just walking around by themselves like and saying, well, it's just me and Jesus, me and Jesus. You know, to me, they're like charcoal embers. They're like coals that used to burn bright, but they got separated from the red hot coals. You know, recent studies indicate that there's no longer a moral difference between those who consider themselves to be born-again Christians and non-Christians. When just 50 years ago, the difference was dramatic. It was, it was profound. The question is, what happened? What happened? And it's really the fulfillment of Jesus' own words concerning the last days in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, verse 12, where Jesus said, lawlessness will abound. In other words, people will just kind of hang around by themselves. They just do their own thing. And he said, the love of many will grow cold. And I say, let's not let that happen. Let's stay together. Let's, let, let's stay ignited where the Holy Spirit presence and fire is. You know, so the question is, what could a church full of hearts tethered together do for God? Hearts that love God, heart and soul. Hearts that are committed to building the kingdom together. You know, the Bible says that Enoch pleased God. Enoch walked faithfully with God. To please God is to love God. To please God is to want to live in such a way that it honors God. To please God is to pursue holiness. To please God is to pursue Him and to pursue His ways. And I say, you know, let's that, that's, Let's make, it, let's make that our goal. Let's make that our highest ambition. Let's make that our crowning achievement in life. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 says, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Psalm 19.14 says, May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, acceptable to God, well-pleasing, fully acceptable. I say that when you're in love with Jesus, 
you're not seeing what lines you can possibly cross because you're walking heart and soul with God. I'm living to please Jesus. I'm with you, Lord. I'm in heart and soul. So may that be exemplary in your life. May that be your confession. May it be seen and modeled in your life. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more messages from encouraging speakers that air on Miracle Channel and Corco. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.